Hey there, everyone. Welcome to the Teach Them Diligently podcast. Here we discuss just about everything that comes into play when you're a Christian homeschooling family. I'm Leslie Nunnery, and today I'm joined by Crystal Wiley, who is the creator of CM Simple Studies. Crystal has done a lot of study on the impact of cultivating a love of reading and literature within our children, and she has a lot of great information to share with us about that today as we discuss not only the whys behind fostering that love in our children, but also the hows to accomplish it. You do not want to miss this incredibly helpful conversation. Before we transition to my conversation with Crystal, though, I want to invite you to join us at a Teach Them Diligently event this year, or better yet, that plus joining us through Teach Them Diligently 365 all year long. TTD events and resources have been used by the Lord to impact countless families just like yours by encouraging their hearts, refocusing their minds, and helping them find the joy and order in what God has called them to do. It is a pleasure to get together with thousands of others who are making decisions that put the hearts and minds of their family first. So please make your plans to join us this season in Round Rock, Texas, or in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, for a three-day celebration of faith, family, and homeschooling unlike anything you've ever experienced before. Get more details, including a list of speakers and resources that can be found there by visiting teachthemdiligently.net. I cannot wait to see you there. Now, before that, though, I am excited for you to dive right into my conversation with Crystal Wiley of CM Simple Studies. Welcome back, everybody. I am really, really excited today to have Crystal Wiley with us. Crystal is from cmsimplestudies.com. She is passionate about reading and a love of learning and really how you balance technology and all kinds of stuff that has to do with that uh, kind of information. So Crystal, welcome to the Teach Them Diligently podcast. Can you tell us just a little bit about yourself and your family and kind of your journey into what really prompted this um, this passion to, to help families in the way that you do now? Oh, I would love to. And it's an honor to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Um, well, I've been married for 13 years. I have a couple kids. They're 11 and seven. My husband and I are serial entrepreneurs. So from the get-go, we've started businesses um, and we've been homeschooling for seven years now. So I want to say that in high school, I my, my love for reading just kind of tanked when you're in class. And you are told to read a certain book and then explain, and then it's quizzes and fill in the blanks, and you just kind of lose your passion for, for good literature. So after I started homeschooling and I started learning a little bit about how important you know books really can be for our kids, I it led me to start Simple Studies. So Simple Studies really does help parents pick up books they may never pick up and enjoy stories with their kids. So now, (laughs) seven years later, um, our living room is, it it only has books. Of course, we have toys and Legos put away, you know, in in closets. But other than that, our kids in our living room where we live, um, 
there's just baskets of books. Mm -hmm. And so for hours a day, our kids are just pouring through them. They're spread all over the floor. They build, you know, walkways with them sometimes when they were younger. So, but from an early age, all the reading I've done about literature is that it is so critical at an early age. And I have so many parents ask, when they, when they understand our lifestyle, our minimal lifestyle, but also very literature heavy, they're like, how do I get my kids off electronics? How do I get them to read more? You know, so that's, that's been kind of a, a key cornerstone to our, our Charlotte Mason homeschool ultimately. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I wanted to kind of double back to something that you said about when you were in high school, because I think that this is such a big point. You talked about how it really squelched your love of reading, your love of literature, all of those things, because you were doing it simply to, you know, write an essay or take a test or whatever. And that's one of the things that I really want people who are starting homeschooling or are in the throes of homeschooling, but are having the, a hard time separating their for what they knew as education from what is possible and what is real. Um, you know, as my kids were growing up, I think like you, we read a ton, but I didn't test a lot. We talked about it. We discussed it, but it wasn't like academic necessarily, but they were, they were learning so much. So can you kind of unpack that kind of a concept for us? Uh, Cause I think it may be freeing for some people. Sure. Definitely. I feel like with so many kids learning online, they, they're not exposed to as many books as we used to be. Right. And I feel like even Silicon Valley parents don't raise their kids on screens. Mm-hmm. So you were asking about books and really the key for us as parents, I feel, is to expose our kids, really just expose them to good literature. And if you want to dive into them and if you want to learn more about it, that's 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 great. But the extreme other side of that is they are <laughs> turned into um, these cogs in a wheel information, right? You're not connecting with the stories. You're not right. connecting with the characters. And I feel like this dichotomy of forcing everybody online to just listen to some lectures and then go off and do your thing versus really sit down and read aloud together and enjoy story together and discuss these great ideas. It's just these two different worlds. And it kind of breaks my heart because books, I have this quote, fairy tales are more than true, not because they tell us that dragons exist, but because they tell us dragons can be beaten. That's by Neil Gaiman. I read one of his books um, back when I was in college, and that's when I started to fall back in love with reading. Everything that we are faced with these days, God obviously is much bigger than all of our problems. However, he has given us literature and classic literature and picture books, um, appropriate picture books, to help our kids build resiliency and empathy. And if they're just being quizzed and if they're just being bulleted questions about these books, they're never going to fall in love with them. They're never going to fall in love with the art of story and they're never going to learn to um, live their life as though they could be part of the God's bigger picture and God's yeah. bigger story. Well, and I also love the relational elements of, you know, especially when you are reading together as a family. So there's there's kind of two things here, two different ways of looking at what you're talking about. There is the reading together as a family, reading aloud, allowing your children to hear, you know, the the fluency and stuff like that, especially when they're young. And then the the reading that they're doing on their own. So how how did those two things play into really really 
spurring on a love of reading and storytelling and literature and so on? That's a good question. I mean, honestly, for us, I really do feel like it was God's purpose and plan for our family to fall in love with these things and to pick a different lifestyle than was the conventional lifestyle. I know that, so I've been reading um, the well-trained, wow, what is it called? Well-trained mind? Well, well, not the well-trained mind, the well-educated mind, sorry, (laughs) which helps parents actually read classical books. Um, Well, the well-trained mind is very well-known by Susan Weisbauer, but this book has really opened my world up into reading classical literature and whatnot. So I feel like the, it's, it's one of those snowball effects. The more you read, the more you want to read, right? Absolutely. Even uh, so Isaac Watts said, it, reading allows us to reach out beyond the restrictions of time and space and take part in what is called the great conversation. Well, he, he said reading is the most important method of self, self-improvement, which I completely agree. And in the well-educated mind was that second quote. Sorry, my husband walked in a minute ago and like threw me completely oh, off. I if you totally. noticed that last question. Yeah, like, really? I was recording the other day, and David walked in, and I and it just, it just catches your attention just enough to make you completely lose that straight line. So, yep, totally get it. Thank it's you real for life right here on the podcast, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yes, in the day and age of husbands working at home. Exactly. Exactly. Well. Um, With with that, all that that reading unlocks, like you were talking about there, you know, how as parents, what are some things that that we can actually look forward to? You noted when we were talking before that that there are actually statistics that talk about this kind of thing. What what can we as parents really look forward to within our children that we're building that we can kind of lean back on? This is this is kind of what will grow out of spending this time really encouraging them to read and to love good literature. Right. So some of the book the statistics about reading out there, the greatest amount of brain growth occurs between birth and age five. Wow. Um, and by age three, 85% of the brain's core structure is formed. I don't know about you, but that's kind of mind blowing. So when everybody's like, oh, it's just a baby, it's just a baby, we'll just set them over here, whatnot. You know, those first three years are critical for literature and vocabulary and just brain growth, obviously, yep. um, with 85% of your core structure being developed at age three. So reading aloud is so key when our kids are even not even able to just babble. And as they grow, reading aloud builds motivation and empathy and curiosity. You know, I, I, as entrepreneurs, my husband and I just want, we really wanted to show our kids that if you're, if you're going to spend your time in a passive environment, which media is very passive, most eight to 10 year olds spend eight to 10 hours a day on screens, which is terrifying which is about 100, um, I think it's like 112 hours a week, they're even awake, and that amounts to over 60 hours in media, which is kind of detrimental in my opinion. And I wanted our kids to grow up loving to read with the ability to focus for long periods of time. I think that's key. I wanted them to have obviously like the act an active role in part of their lives and to get bored and have to use their creativity and their imagination, right? And then... um, I wanted their imagination even then to be full of stories and tales to give them the tools that they need when they're stressed in our modern world to really be resilient and adapt. So some of these stories and these tales and even the Bible itself, I mean, we read through the Bible and it's just truthful historical stories along with tales and uh, other great classics really give our kids an 
a mindset that they really can't, first of all, they're part of the bigger story that God has for them and that they can really tackle anything because people have in the past. Yep. Yep. Well, and it's such a good way to learn context for history too, context for things that have happened before. Because even if you're reading fiction with your children, the description of the world and the description of the dress and all of that factors in so heavily to what they're learning in all of these other subjects that it really helps give context to stuff and make more sense of other things that they're they're learning. Absolutely. And you bring up a great point. So the reason I started Simple Studies was, so everybody <laughs> probably knows Cindy. Um, oh gosh, now why can't I think of her last name? You know her last name. She has she has podcasts and books and everything. Well, she she had talked about doing nature study at her table. Well, I don't believe that nature study naturally can happen at your table. I believe I do believe you need to be outdoors. However, bringing books into your morning time mm-hmm. and discussing nature and reading stories about nature and then bringing in the field guides and Bringing in, even even for us, we'll bring in um, very short clips of an animal that we just read about or whatnot, which is fine. I think media has a place in our lives. We're not getting away from it. Yep. However, minimizing it and, you know, creating boundaries, which I do have tips on that as well. But our kids, having read through all the Thornton Burgess books, having read through, you know, Anna, Arabella Buckley and Clara Dillingham Pearson, all these books, which a lot of my simple studies cover, they now have formed relationships with different species, with different types of um, animals. And so when they're outdoors and we're actually doing our nature study, they have backstory and then have co- formed those personal connections with those animals. Yeah, Cindy Rollins. Sorry. <laughs> it has come. It has come. Well, you know, it's, it's so interesting because my kids are significantly older than yours. And so they have for the last several years, especially my two girls have been babysitting and stuff like that. And there have been so many times when they've come home absolutely amazed that the kids that they babysit for don't know how to play outside. They don't know, you know, my my kids lived outside. It was all right. imaginary play, not a whole lot of stuff to play outside with. It was just go out and you create your own world out there. And it's exactly. so wonderful. And even my girls have noted how sad it is that these kids don't have the capacity to do that. They don't, it, you know, my girls are like struggling to get them to play with them, but they don't know how to play. And that's how big of a factor do you think that that actually exposing them to all of this and opening their imagination with all of this has on that just ability to play and be kids? Oh, 100%. I really feel like it's, I mean, if, if there's an epidemic out there, that's it, yeah. right? Kids losing the part of their brains that are creative and have imagination and are able to um, role play through right. the characters that they've read about and heard about. So I know that you were asking about some practical tips about, you know, I know that parents often are concerned that their kids are addicted, you know, to to media and they don't have time for books. They don't have time for things outside of school. Hmm. I want I want to encourage parents that you are the parent. You're the one you're you're in charge, not society, not your phones, not your computers, not not the iPad. I know for us, it has really helped to set specific times during the day so our kids aren't stressed and then constantly right. asking, um, when are we going to 
do this or do that. And um, generally speaking, during the homeschool week, we don't include any type of media um, unless it's a video on, say, a bird, you know. Um, I do think kids are wise enough and want to know the why behind media is just kind of a detrimental thing for their brains. Yes. (laughs) Or consuming it at, you know, an astronomical rate. Um, and then after you, if you discuss this with your kids, you know, how do you feel like, it's just like candy, right? Of course, the more junk food and the more candy you eat, it tastes great at the time, but then you just, you crash and you feel right. horrible. And most of us know with many of our kids, you know, if they're on media too long that they crash and they have attitude issues and then they're disrespectful. So if you're, if you can discuss those feelings with their ki- with your kids, then you can go over the boundaries. You know, then you can go over, here's what's going to work for our family. I'm mom, I'm dad. We're going to set these up. I do think it's important that we limit our own consumption as mm-hmm. well. But ultimately it comes down to, are we really setting our kids up for success here? You know, when we think about our kids, when they leave our house, are they going to be able to be creative? Are they going to be able to uh, be, you know, problem solvers? Are they going to have all of these great um, stories and information and historical truths and just the information and tools that they need to run their own lives. You know, we can't be with them forever. Are they just, they, they can't live in front of media. So anyway, the last tip I have is bringing them into the fold. So, and I'll talk a little bit about this from the tips from my heart about books and reading, but ultimately our kids really want to be alongside us. Yes. They really want to, you know, if you're going through a difficult time or if you're cooking dinner, don't just send them away, you know, bring them in, talk to them, have conversations with them, show them how to do something. It is harder in the, in the front end, but it's definitely, it's rewarding in the end because yes, first of all, they're going to entertain themselves all day long playing outside. And what better, what better could that be? And then they're going to have the tools that they need to make breakfast when you're not feeling good or do their laundry when, you know, at an early age, because eventually you can't do it forever. I just think these things are so critical and, and sitting them in front of a screen or a passive media um, environment is just not helping them long-term. Absolutely. And, and speaking as one who now has three adult children and one in high school, I can tell you that that investing that time, not allowing them to just passively be in front of a screen or whatever, but really, truly investing in those relationships will pay off massively when you have young adults. And the world is saying that they're going to want to have nothing to do with you. And yet, by God's grace, we still have a very close relationship. You know, my my 22-year-old calls me throughout the day just to run stuff by me or just to chat and and that was born because largely because we spent so much time together and we are actually now as he's getting or all of them are getting to be young adults we're becoming more friends we are we really like to commune together and fellowship together and that is an awesome thing but that doesn't happen in a vacuum. There is a lot that goes into that and it starts while your kids are young. So what would you say to someone who doesn't feel or or feels like they are the mean mom because they don't want their kids to have technology or access to video games before whatever age or, or whatever, what, you know, 
what I, I'm, I'm way far down the road. My kids didn't have video games for a long time, but I wasn't raising them at the same time that you guys are. So, you know, what, what would you say to the younger moms who actually are struggling with that right now? Um, I would, I would flip your thinking around, you know, Romans 12 to, you know, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Well, the pattern of this world really is to stick your kids on a screen when you're having a difficult time. But in, you know, with prayer and in talking with God, really asking him what he thinks you should do with your kids. And I feel like obeying obeying God in that sense and form, he's he's not going to say, go sit your kids in front of a screen. He's going to say, engage with them, love on them, look in their eyes, read with them, be with them, do life with them. And in turn, it flips it around. You're actually not them. You're, you're the gracious parent. You're the loving parent for not doing those things. Right. That's That's kind of how I would respond to that. Well, and honestly, even in conversations with other kids um, that come around and stuff, the other kids actually have always liked the peace that comes with not having the media blaring all the time, not having the TV on in one room and a, a you know a gaming system going in another, and just all of the competing noise that we tend to fill our houses with. There is there is a peace that I think our hearts actually yearn for, and yet, like you were noting, because the world would make you think that the only way to do life right now is by inundating ourselves with media, we we tend to think or to quiet that voice that says we just want to be still. We just want the peace that allows us to think and create and converse and all those good things. Absolutely. And we're social creatures. We're meant to be together. We're, you know, if you if you read any of the books of old times, you know, they're in their cabins around the fire, knitting and talking and drinking tea and and things like, no, we don't live in that world, obviously. And every parent has to do what's right for their family. The, you know, the boundaries you set are a very personal thing. It's just you know, considering how this affects your kids long term is is really super critical. But ultimately, it's just it's so life giving <laughs> when you when you're not spending hours and hours on media in different parts of the room. I don't know. It's it just feels life more life giving to me. So I don't know. Did you want to talk a little bit about I, I had some tips for moms about especially parents who are interested in pulling their kids away from screens. OK. And then helping them immerse more books into their lives Beautiful. because I feel like if they're taking that away, right. You've got if, to if replace it with something. You, you, there needs to be something, you know, they're not just going to go straight outside probably, especially if a lot of them are used to getting hours of media a day. Right. Um, but I brought some tips from my heart about books and perfect and what, okay. Awesome. So I think, I think exposure to books matters more than reading benchmarks. And finding books on our, our children's current interests is super critical. So if your kids actually, if they if they just, okay, for example, Ninjago, it's a Lego thing. Say your boys are totally into that. Well, do you know how many books there are on Ninjago? I'm not saying, you know, they're the quality, they're quality literature, but there are ways that you can, you know, modify that a little bit. So I don't think you need to keep 500 books in your home at one time. In fact, studies show even 20 books at a time significantly impact a child's future education. Hmm. Um, I did link that study, by the way. And I was going to say, a few years ago, I actually started a nonprofit for foster children, sending books home with them, classic good literature and picture books for these foster kids who typically don't have anything, because I know about these studies. I know how critical they are. And so many kids in the world don't have just a few books in their home. And 
the studies show it totally changes everything. So I'd say rely on your library preview before you buy. So if you, you know, you don't need to spend a ton of money, you just need a library card. Um, but speaking of previewing, you definitely want to make sure you're um, previewing some content because there is a lot of inappropriate content out there. Publishers are publishing anything and everything these days. And what your neighbors are reading may not work for your family. It may not be a good idea. And I do have some resources that I was going to talk about as well. I would say surprise them with books. So the first day of school this year, we're Charlotte Mason homeschool. So our kids read a ton or I read aloud a ton, but I wrapped up books. So for um, our term one biography, for example, I wrapped up three books for our son, who's roughly sixth grade form 2A. And he opened it up and he was like, I get to pick, which I actually heard on your pod. Your last podcast was transferring responsibility to your to your kids. And um, so that's what it reminded me of. I was giving him responsibility to choose the books. And that was exciting for them. They weren't just moms, not just telling them, here's the book you need to read. Here's how long. Anyway, so I also think people really, really minimize the benefits of audiobooks. Mm-hmm. No mom can read aloud for 20 hours a day. I can't read while I'm driving. So if you're really hooked into media or if you really want to pull away from that, audiobooks are a great bridge, I feel. Emerging readers can read along with the physical book. Our kids have done that for years. We get in a lot of our classic books on audio in yeah. the car because I can't read them all. I want to, but I can't. And then uh, on, it's funny on the weekends, instead of like movie night, we have audiobook night where they get to like listen to audiobooks before. Yeah. But anyway, forcing children to read too early actually has a negative long-term effect in adult into adulthood. And I don't think many people realize this. When we force our kids to read too early, it actually has negative effects, neg- negative effects later on in life. And each child is different. If they're exposed, like I was talking about, if your environment, if your atmosphere breathes books and it's just... You know, they're laying everywhere you're reading um, and you breed curiosity. They'll learn to read when they're ready, whether it's four or 11. And another tip that I have that we personally use, other than just keeping books in our living room, and that's it, is being a model. If you read in front of your kids, so every day a lot of people have nap time or we call it a peaceful time and quiet time where kids go in their rooms and they read or they sit or they're quiet just to bring the temperature down for the day. I think it's important that you get reading in during that time or are able to, but stay off media yourself. And when your kids are around and playing or whatnot, or you're sitting out on the patio or whatever, have a book in your hands. And if your child comes up, even toddlers can learn to do this. They can learn to be patient because moms, when I'm done with this chapter, I'll get up and make your snack. Or when I'm done with this chat. So you can slowly build in time there where they're where they're watching you and, and physically seeing you reading books. And you're not just doing it at night when they're in bed or, you know, when they're taking a nap or whatnot. So that's been really helpful for us. Yeah, but. absolutely. Absolutely. And I want to just encourage those that are listening in and that are thinking, you know, my kids hate to read or it's it's a struggle you have to remember that there are developmental and maturity issues and all kinds of things and, and inner struggles. You know, your your child may just kind of be 
rebelling, for lack of a better word, against reading and against all of this. And and we have to keep in mind as moms that we have a front row seat for all of that development. And so just like us, where we kind of take two steps forward and three steps back sometimes, you may actually see that, but, but trust the process, stick with it. And you're going to find that once the maturity kicks in, that they will come back around to that love of reading. Now, Mike, my boys in particular, um, you know, they were raised this way. We read all the time. They listened to audiobooks all the time when they were going to bed or whatever, over and over and over again, these same stories. They loved them. And then you get into, you know, like the early years of high school or whatever. And, and mature wise, they wanted to do all this other stuff. They just, that, that wasn't cool anymore. And so they were trying to figure out. And so none of us are raising perfect kids, but right. that maturity does eventually kick back in. And what they, what you whetted their appetite for when they were younger is what they crave when they become adults. And that's what I'm seeing now on the adult child side is my kids are reading like crazy because they want to, they want to learn, they want to, they love it all. But I, I can't tell you there wasn't a struggle in the middle where it was, it, it just wasn't really what they wanted to be doing. So just as an oh. encouragement, whet their appetite, stick with it, but don't lose heart if they start pulling away because they are growing and changing and that's to be expected. Oh, that's such encouragement because I feel I I do feel like I'm kind of an experiment and other moms who've gone before me, which I think is so key. I think people really need to listen to parents who do have older kids and have been through this before. And it does work out. <laughs> it, so. does, it does. Trust the process. That's what I want to tell people every day of my life. Trust. Do what you're supposed to do. If, you know, in the middle, it gets a little messy. It's gonna. But trust the process that you've whetted their appetite for what's good. And whether that be you know, biblical truths or love of reading or anything in between, because the Lord does pull it all back together as they are maturing and growing. That's fantastic. That's so awesome. I did want to leave moms with some, with a few resources because okay. like I, I want I, I was, I'm very um, cognizant and very cautious about what books we bring into our home. And I think that's a very important thing that that people realize, yes, we want all the books, but also maybe not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I've got some great resources that are online as well as a few books. Uh, I do have on my website, cmsimplestudies.com, I do have a free download of 100 plus nature books. Um, and there are a few books in there for moms as well. Anyway, so Ambleside Online, Simply Charlotte Mason, Sunlight. You don't have to buy the actual curriculum. You can just go on and look at their book lists. Um, but a lot of people really do enjoy their, their curriculum as well. Read Aloud Revival, all about reading. Um, my son actually taught himself to read it at a very young age because we just loved books. My daughter is a different case, and that's okay. We're using the All About Reading program with her, um, and they have some great lists on there as well. The Good and the Beautiful, Focus on the Family. And then I actually found an article called, Will Rascals Defend Our Civilization and What Books Will He Read? All and right. there's a list of great books on there. That's awesome. I know. I, and then I love books with book lists. I don't know. I'm kind of weird. But um, Honey for a Child's Heart by Gladys Hunt. And I'm sure your listeners have heard about all of these, but hopefully I'm not repeating too much for you guys. Books Children Love by Elizabeth Wilson, The Real Loud Handbook by Jim Trelease, and Give Your Child the World by Jamie Martin. I could probably keep going, and your listeners probably have heard of a lot of that, but hopefully, you know, they picked up one or two extras. No, that is that is fantastic, and it's always good to be reminded 
especially in context of a conversation like this. So we will link to as many of your resources as you send us so that people can then from there pull on threads and, and keep going deeper and deeper and deeper. Um, but, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but before we go, can you tell everybody where they can connect with you? I know we'll link to your website, but where else can they connect with you and kind of follow along? Sure. Um, I'm at simple, well, simple and free on Instagram. Um, it's simple dot and dot free underscore, which is kind of silly. Um, but I also have a CM simple studies Instagram account. Um, people can connect with me there and then you can always email me on my website. All right. Well, we will be sure that we link all of that. And Crystal, thank you so much for joining us today and, and really opening our eyes to the importance of this, but also the joys of, of instilling in your child a love of reading and learning and, and just being together with you. Yeah, no. Thank you so much again for taking the time to talk with me. And I hope um, listeners got something out of today. Oh, I'm sure they did. So thank you for, for being here. And to everybody else, thank you for taking some time and hanging out with us today. I look forward to talking to you again real soon. Thank you for joining us today. We believe that every family is called to teach them diligently. So we're here to help. We would love to get to know you this year at one of our four live Teach Them Diligently events. And then throughout the year, when you become part of the Teach Them Diligently 365 community, check out the notes from today's show for more details about what we discussed today, as well as all of these other resources that Teach Them Diligently has to offer. Have a wonderful day, and I look forward to talking to you again real soon.